While this Sunday's Super Bowl was chocked full of crypto ads, the best advertisement for Bitcoin continues to be the Canadian government, declaring Bitcoin transactions to the Canadian Freedom Convoy terrorism and invoking the Canadian equivalent of martial law. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. sexy sat stackers and welcome to the bitcoin bulletin podcast today is wednesday february 16th 2022 and that means it is dca wednesday well as i alluded to in the intro the biggest news in bitcoin continues to be the canadian crackdown on the freedom convoy rally in ottawa uh, as I mentioned, the Canadian government has invoked the Emergency Act, which is essentially their equivalent of martial law, and declared that any anyone transferring money to the Canadian freedom truckers, whether it be through PayPal, uh, any other crowdfunding source, and specifically to include cryptocurrency, is guilty of violating terrorism financing laws, basically, and will have their bank accounts frozen, their insurance canceled, etc. But before we get into all of that, a quick look at the vital statistics. Currently, we are sitting at a block height of 723,660, with Bitcoin ringing in at a U.S. dollar price of $44,075 per Bitcoin, or 2,269 sats per cuckbuck. A new statistic that I wanted to add today just for fun is that one barrel of oil is currently worth 215,123 sats. We find ourselves at a market cap of 835.7 billion, and we are now 98 days away from our all-time high, around 69,000. That is down 36%. On-chain activity is looking pretty good. Last week, we were averaging about 3.09 transactions per second, and the current 24-hour transaction rate is 3.13 transactions per second, which is about as high as we've seen it in a while. There are currently uh, two blocks worth of transactions in the mempool. Of course, it's been about 20 minutes since the last block, uh, but there are... Transactions stacking up, although one sat per byte transactions will still currently clear. Uh, we are 84 blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment, and last week it was unsure whether that was going to be an upwards or downwards difficulty adjustment. Uh, it is currently closing in on a 4.4% increase in difficulty, and that is because Blocks have been averaging 9 minutes and 34 seconds since the last difficulty adjustment. So we had just recently set an all-time high, a new record for all-time high hash rate on the Bitcoin network, and it looks like that is continuing to be the case. 
So miners are still switching on. More powerful miners are coming online. Uh, and that is a good sign. Back to the news real quick. Um, as I mentioned, regardless of what you think about the pandemic and what you think about the Canadian Freedom Trucker Rally, you should be completely shocked by the way that the Canadian government is handling the situation. From what I have seen, it is a bunch of people partying. I've seen they've set up portable saunas. There's bouncy houses for the children. People are dancing. They're playing music. Yeah, it's probably really annoying for the people who live by when the truckers honk their horns, but they certainly haven't burnt any buildings to the ground. Uh, nobody's been murdered. It is nothing like the riots that we saw that lasted for a solid seven months about a year ago in uh, all around the world, really. The United States, Canada, London. Uh, so for this to be the first time ever that the Canadian government has invoked the Emergencies Act seems to be a little perplexing to many. In case you're not sure what the emergency uh, what the Canadian Emergency Act is, the Canadian Department of Justice has posted a nice website about it, updated just a day or so ago, conveniently, uh, where they define the Emergency Act as well. First of all, that they say that they're uh, that it's that it's crafted in such a way as to guarantee and protect Canadian civil rights. The uh, Emergency Act, when invoked continues to protect individual rights as the government of Canada takes the necessary steps to safeguard the safety and well-being of Canadians. So it's a good thing, right? They go on to say that there is a very specific definition of what a national emergency is and makes clear of how serious the situation needs to be before this act can be relied upon. However, they do not tell you what that definition is, so I looked it up. According to the law, for the purposes, quote, for the purposes of this act, a national emergency is an urgent or critical situation of a temporary nature that must seriously endanger the lives, health, or safety of Canadians and is of such proportions or nature as to exceed the capacity or authority of a province to deal with it and that it cannot be effectively dealt with under, other law, any, any, under any other law of Canada. So clearly, truckers parking around the Capitol building and having a big party is impossible to deal with under any law of Canada and violates the health and safety of Canadians in such a way that for the first time in Canadian history, they have declared martial law. Uh, well, this is a highly polarized issue, so um, of course it doesn't help that the media is portraying it uh, one way and what I've seen on Twitter and YouTube and listening to at nobody caribou's updates from on the ground um a completely different event is going on but uh, hey i'm not in canada to each their own but it should frighten the hell out of you that just because somebody is protesting a government policy a policy by the way that almost every other country around the world has recently scrapped or has announced that they will be scrapping they'll be ending these policies by the end of the month almost everywhere uh, except for canada um, but that being said, um, the crackdown on the ability of the individuals of individuals to send money to whatever, uh, whoever they choose, support whatever political movement they choose, being infringed upon like this is the single-handed, the single single biggest commercial and endorsement for what Bitcoin is all about. Uh, it does not matter what you think; 
if the government says you do not have the right to send money, let's say, for example, that the government said we're really sick of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is, is, is murder, and therefore we're going to call you a terrorist if you send money to Planned Parenthood. Um, about 50% of the people would probably say that's a good thing. About 50% of the people would probably say it's not. But my point is, if they can use this against one person, they can use it against anybody. And that is pretty terror, uh, pretty terrible, especially when you consider the power they will have if they end up migrating us away from cash and onto a central bank digital currency. So that's enough about the Canadian Freedom Truckers. But it is an ongoing situation, and it continues to be the best advertisement for Bitcoin I have seen. Of course, inflation continues to soar. Uh, that might be bigger news, too, if you're not in Canada or if you don't care about um, what the Canadians are protesting. Of course, the Fed has not raised rates and is continuing to pump. They've printed somewhere around the, nature, the number of $9 trillion now. But the FUD continues that there will now be an even larger, a more significant rate hike at their March meeting. Of course, they didn't raise rates when they threatened to last time. And as Max Kaiser keeps saying over and over again, you cannot taper a Ponzi scheme. My personal belief is they will raise rates uh, minusculely, maybe two basis points, maybe three basis points. But there is no way they're going to raise interest rates to any significant level. And most likely, they will backpedal on that just like they did after they tried to ease quantitative easing after the 2008 financial crisis the stock market reacted and immediately rates went to zero or even negative in some countries more big news out there is the BlockFi. Um, if you have been following the news or if you are a customer of BlockFi, or if you used to listen to peter mccormick back when uh, BlockFi was one of his sponsors. I guess BlockFi is still one of his sponsors, but now he's advertising their credit card. Back in the day, I distinctly remember him talking about how excited he was to every day see his sats deposit in his account, the interest he was earning. Well, BlockFi has been embroiled in a battle with the Securities and Exchange Commission in 32 states who are seeking to halt the BlockFi interest accounts on the basis that they were an unregistered security. And the... Uh, the battle kept getting extended. Originally, I think it was supposed to, uh, the cease and desist they were issued was supposed to take effect last fall. Uh, and then they kept getting extensions. The most recent extension I heard about extended um, the uh, extended the moratorium on the cease and desist order till February 14th. And surprise, surprise, February 14th, BlockFi announced settlement with the SEC. And of course, the SEC put out a press release claiming victory. What this amounts to is that BlockFi customers can no longer add money to their BlockFi interest accounts. New customers in the United States cannot sign, correction, BlockFi customers in the United States. Apparently, this doesn't affect anyone outside of the United States. The SEC is only protecting U.S. citizens from the dangers of earning interest on their block, on their, uh, on their Bitcoin. Uh, you, if you are a current BlockFi customer and you have an interest account, you will continue to earn your interest in the meantime. And apparently they're in the process of registering a brand new product, which they're going to call BlockFi Yield. And once that's approved by the SEC, uh, current BlockFi interest accounts will automatically be converted to BlockFi Yield accounts unless clients specifically instruct BlockFi not to. And then apparently it will be back to normal. And the only thing that will have changed is BlockFi will have bowed to the Securities Exchange Commission and paid a $100 million fine. 
Uh, there are a lot of other companies out there that this applies to. Uh, Gemini pays yield. I think Coinbase pays yield on at least one or two of their altcoins. Um, obviously, BlockFi is not the only dog in that hunt. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens along those lines. Also, this might just be the parting shot in the Securities and Exchange Commission cracking down on unregistered securities, a.k.a. decentralized shitcoins. If I were a altcoin investor, I would be watching this development very carefully because uh, you're probably next. Uh, also out there in the news, ConocoPhillips has announced that they are running a Bitcoin mining pilot project in North Dakota. Uh, they are selling off some of their flare gas basically to Bitcoin miners, but doing so in a manner to test out whether or not this is a profitable situation for them. Uh, obviously it was only a matter of time before the big oil companies noticed things like great American mining and other companies out there flaring this otherwise wasted natural gas, getting to claim that they're actually helping the environment because methane is incredibly more harmful to the environment than, uh, carbon dioxide is at least according to climate experts and that burning off, uh, flaring off this, uh, Methane is nowhere near as efficient as running it through a generator and converting it to electricity, something to the extent of a 63% reduction in the carbon footprint provided by these mining operations. So big oil was going to notice two things. They were going to notice the money. There was that other story about the Trexas brothers that had made $4 million by uh, mining Bitcoin with flared gas. So there's money to be made and there's social environmental, uh, virtue signaling to be had, carbon credits perhaps to be had by the big oil companies. So it was only a matter of time. And this is the beginning of what I term as big oil FOMO. So that is interesting. And back to the uh, subject of government interference on Bitcoin, or in this case in El Salvador, two of the biggest, um, I'll be polite, Let's just say um, senators on the United States Committee on Foreign Relations released a press release announcing that they are introducing a bill entitled the Accountability for Cryptocurrency in El Salvador Act. Of course, the ACES Act, because every bill that is bad for you, every bill that infringes on freedom always has a cute name, CARES, ACES, what have you basically stating that it's legislation that will require the State Department to issue a report on El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin, a cryptocurrency, as legal tender and a plan to mitigate the potential risk to the U.S. financial system. They continue that El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender raises significant concerns about the economic stability and financial integrity of a vulnerable U.S. trading partner in Central America. Oh, they need to protect El Salvador. Isn't that great? This new policy has the potential to weaken U.S. sanctions policy. Of course, Bitcoin is a worthless speculative bubble. It's just tulips, right? But apparently tulips were going to destroy U.S. sanctions policy, empowering malign actors like China, organized criminal or and organized criminal organizations. Our bipartisan legislation seeks greater clarity on El Salvador's policy and requires the administration to mitigate potential risk to the U.S. to the U.S. financial system from a bubble that isn't money, that is rat poison squared, that you should stay away from, and that is eventually going to go to zero, right? Yeah. Well, 
as usual, El Salvador President Nayib Bukele had something to say, tweeting, Okay, boomers, you have zero jurisdiction on a sovereign and independent nation. We are not your colony, your backyard, or your front yard. Stay out of our internal affairs. Do not try to control something you can't control. So, as usual, the dictator, as the media likes to portray him, is standing up for the freedom and sovereignty and independence of his nation. Way to go, Nikaleb. Or, way to go, Nayib. I'm sorry. Way to go, President Bukele. All right, well, back to why we're here, and that is because today is Wednesday, and as you know, Wednesday is DCA Wednesday. DCA, short for Dollar Cost Averaging, is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. We have been doing this since Wednesday, July 28th. This will be our 30th stack. Uh, Again, we're investing our money in equal portions, and that is $20. We chose $20, and at regular intervals, and that is Wednesday. We chose Wednesday, and we're going to stack today, regardless of the Bitcoin price, just like we have every Wednesday since July 28th. Again, this is not financial advice. This is just an experiment we're running to test out dollar cost averaging in Bitcoin and how it works out for us. But but the important thing, if you are into DCA, is that you pick an amount that you feel comfortable investing, an amount that um, you can afford to lose, an amount that you're not going to need immediately. You should be planning on holding your Bitcoin for a minimum of one halving cycle, which is approximately four years, ideally 10 years, you know, those headline returns you see, there was another one today that said, if you'd invested $1,000 10 years ago, it'd be worth 10 million today. Um, The point being, Bitcoin is a long-term play and your horizon should be more like 10 years. I personally never plan on selling my Bitcoin. I believe that Bitcoin, even if it never becomes the global financial asset, it will definitely become a major significant reserve asset. It is definitely gold 2.0, and I think not only will it become more uh, important to the world economy than gold, uh, it, will, uh, it, will play, uh, it will play a vital role behind the scenes. Bitcoin is a protocol. I mean, just look what Jack Mullers and Strike are doing. Uh, Jack is, is basically taking Bitcoin and saying it doesn't matter if you believe in Bitcoin, it doesn't matter what the price is going to be because we're going to use the payment rails to move whatever asset you want to move. And it's only um, reflected in that they're using Bitcoin to make that movement. So again, we chose $20. And the reason we chose $20 is because most of my customers are in the United States or Europe. Most of my listeners, <laughs> customers, we have no sponsors here. We have had no Uh, financial support given to us in any way, shape, or form. Uh, So customers was a funny Freudian slip. Um, We're doing this because I love Bitcoin. I love talking about Bitcoin. And uh, every time I see someone on Reddit or Twitter say, I only have $20, I only have $50, is it too late? Is it worth investing such a small amount of money? I wanted to run an experiment that would show whether or not it was. And so we're going to keep this up until Bitcoin goes to the moon, Bitcoin goes to zero, or the point is just moot. Again, most of our listeners, $20 is not that much money. So you do you, do your own research, pick an amount you feel comfortable investing, but an amount that you can invest consistently. Uh, 
at regular intervals and that you wouldn't feel bad about investing regardless what the price is because this takes the emotion out of investing. We've purchased Bitcoin. Well, we started in a bull run, so we purchased Bitcoin all the way up to the to the peak to our most recent all-time high. Uh, the most expensive we purchased was in October at 65969 and we've Purchased all the way back down as cheaply as $36,472.52. People always say when it's high, I'm not going to purchase until until the next correction. And then when it hits the next correction, they always say, well, uh, what if it drops more? I'm going to wait and and make sure it doesn't go lower before I'm going to invest. So putting, putting it on set and forget and doing a DCA is a way to take that emotion out of investing and of course, as I said, this is a long-term play. And the other saying that is quite popular is that time in the markets beats timing the markets every time it's tried. If you want to gamble, if you want to day trade, all by all means, you do you. But we've seen time and time again, that is the best way to get wrecked, particularly when it comes to Bitcoin, which does indeed tend to be volatile. So again, this is going to be our 30th stack. Uh, we have stacked a total of $580, which includes $13.05 worth of fees. Uh, we have stacked 1,179,049 sats. That's currently worth $519.66. Uh, that $580, so we're down about $60.34. Uh, our average purchase price now, our average cost basis is $49,192.27. So we're not too far underwater compared to where we were, and that is because DCA has let us purchase on the cheap all the way down. So hopefully this this purchase will lower our dollar cost average even further. And to purchase, as usual, we're going to use the handy dandy cash app. I love the cash app. It might not be available where you're at. It might not be the best app for you, but I like it because it makes investing easy. It will let you automate your stack. It is relatively cheap for small purchases, such as our $20 purchase. It does charge a fee of about two and a quarter percent, but it will let you withdraw your Bitcoin to your hardware wallet for free. So that um, that kind of that can kind of make up for some of the fees that you were spending. Um, again, do your own research. Pick an app that is available to you. Pick an app that you like. But I find Cash App to be fantastic. It also has some other benefits I like. For example, you have a Um, They have a debit card that that has perks and boosts that you can activate. I currently have a perk saved up on my card that um, will give me 5% back in Bitcoin at any restaurant I choose to go to. So I'm looking forward to going out to dinner later this this week and using my Cash App uh, debit card to do so and scoring a few extra sats just for doing what I was going to do later this week anyway. So... We are going to open up our handy-dandy cash app. Another reason I like it so much is I don't keep money on my cash app. If I go to dinner, I move that money to the cash app right before I pay the bill um, to get my Bitcoin perk or whatever um, boost I I happen to be using. They have a variety of boosts and they change from time to time. Currently, that one I have activated is the 5% Bitcoin back. But... um, I can add money instantly because I have my debit card linked to the Cash App. So all I need to do is add money, add $20. And it is immediately available to do with as I please, to spend on dinner, to invest in Bitcoin. They even let you buy stocks. 
Um, they even let you give stock and Bitcoin as a gift. Uh, for Christmas, a relative of mine used Cash App to gift me a share in my uh, one of my favorite restaurants um, because that's been a that's been a running a running gag. This restaurant is not available where I live. The closest one is over a thousand miles away. So of course they gave me a gift card for that restaurant um, two Christmases ago. Last Christmas we were in a town where that restaurant is, and um, and I of course forgot to bring my gift card. So that continued that theme for last Christmas, and then this Christmas he gave me one share of stock in that restaurant, um, which was really cool and also funny, um, and also another benefit of Cash App. Cash App is not a sponsor of the show, although if Jack wanted to make us, uh, wanted to sponsor us, or at least give us a custom referral code, that would be cool. We do have a referral link in the show notes. If you don't already have Cash App, you go down in the show notes and you click on that link, use our referral code, you'll get $5 free for signing up, and we will get $5 for free as well. Uh, so far, nobody has re- used that referral code, and that's probably because it, it either you already have Cash App, or it's just a pain in the butt to remember to go into my show notes and click on my referral code. So it would be neat if he did give us a customer referral code. But that's not why we're here, and it's not why I am pimping Cash App. Um, I just happen to love Cash App. My whole family has it. We use it, and we're going to use it to stack Bitcoin. Anyway, that $20 is there, so I'm going to click on the little Bitcoin logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Click Buy, enter $20, click Next. It is going to ask me to confirm our purchase, and we're getting ready to purchase 44263 sats at $44,167.82 per corn. Uh, there is a 45 cent fee, so uh, we're investing a total of 20, but we're getting a little bit less than $20 of the Bitcoin. Click confirm. And boom, just like that, we purchased another 44,263 sats. And that brings our total stack up to 1,223,310 sats, currently worth four hundred or $540.30. So our $600 is now down less than $60 instead of a little more than $60. And that dropped our average cost basis down another $145. So when Bitcoin moons, our cost basis is going to look prettier and prettier. Our current average cost basis is now only $49,047.26. So anytime anytime BTC goes back above $49,047, we will be in the green again. And of course, if Bitcoin moons, if it hits that magic $1 million per coin mark, uh, that 1,223,000 sats will be worth $12,233.10. And there would be no arguing at that point that uh, we had made a good choice. Of course, this remains to be seen. It is easy to look like a genius during a Bitcoin bull run. It's also easy to look like an idiot if you purchase at the top. Um, But if you believe in the four-year halving cycle, if you listen to Adam Meister on YouTube, or uh, he's Bitcoin Meister on YouTube, or TechBalt on Twitter, he constantly espouses the 210,000 block theory, which says that if you look at the price of Bitcoin at any point in history and you go back in time 210,000 blocks, it will always have been less expensive. So if you go fast forward 210,000 blocks today, 
Bitcoin will, in theory, cost more than what we paid for it. And uh, obviously, if you look at Bitcoin's returns over its lifespan, uh, it is the best performing asset of all time. It has been, of course, past results are not a guarantee of future returns. And again, this is not financial advice, but we are going to keep stacking. And I guess the proof is in the pudding. I'm putting this out here for everyone to see. So we will find out sooner rather than later whether DCA was a smart thing to do. So far, it's not looking too shabby. Uh, I don't have a lot of notes about what else to talk about. Um, there have been a lot of people referring that ref- referencing inflation and the Cantillon or Cantillion effect. I don't know whether you refer to that as Cantillon or Cantillion. I heard of it. I've heard it. I've heard it pronounced Cantillon, Cantillion, or Cantillion. Uh, I guess it really depends. Um, he isn't around to ask because he was a quote 18th century French banker and philosopher, although he was born in Ireland. So um, we wouldn't necessarily pronounce that name as a French name unless he chose to because he did make Paris his home, although he did eventually die in England. So uh, tomato, tomato, Cantillon, Cantillon. But uh, if you're not familiar, Robert, or correction, Richard Cantillon um, posited that printing money has a disproportionate effect on inflation. Um, that those who receive the money first benefit from it much more than those who receive it later. And this is very apropos to what's going on in the economy right now. Uh, we have printed the vast majority of the money that's ever been in circulation just in the last couple of months. Bitcoin is up 7.5%, correction, inflation is up 7.5%, which is way more than it has been since the 1970s in the United States. But really nothing compared to the amount of money that has been printed. And if you're a believer in what Cantillon says, um, that is because it takes a while for that money to get into the system and to influence the supply and demand and drive prices up. Of course, inflation doesn't mean your ground beef and your gasoline and your gallons of milk got more expensive. It means your money is more worthless. Uh, Supply and demand would dictate that you have the same amount of ground beef, the same number of gallons of milk in your grocery store, but you have dramatically more U.S. dollars competing for it, and therefore the value of the dollar is less. The milk did not get more expensive. Uh, Way before Bitcoin came along, there was a commercial for one of those gold bug services, and they always used to say that um, in, in 1900, one gold coin would buy you a nice suit, a nice pair of shoes, and a you know a custom pair of shoes, a custom cut suit, and a really nice belt. Um, and today, one gold coin will basically buy you a nice, really nice suit, a nice pair of shoes, and a nice belt. So um, gold didn't get more expensive, and suits didn't get more expensive when compared to uh, the when compared to the value of a gold coin. Uh, people are conditioned to think that grocery stores are raising their prices, but what's happening is your money is getting more worthless. And there are a lot of people that believe that hyperinflation is around the corner. Hyperinflation means different things to different people, but to most economists, I think they have uh, pretty much agreed on the fact that hyperinflation is more like 50% or greater inflation on a month-over-month basis. So 7.5% is nowhere near hyperinflation but it is certainly enough to throw the average American's budget out of whack. 
and I don't think we have seen the end of inflation anytime soon. Uh, of course, if you remember, inflation was only going to be transitory, and the government has been saying it's going to begin tapering off any day now for about a year, um, but the, they just keep printing. And if it doesn't take a rocket surgeon or a brain scientist to understand that if more people, by the virtue of more money being the system, are competing for the goods, the goods are going to cost more. Anyway... Uh, if you buy Bitcoin, I believe that is your hedge against all of this. Bitcoin is gold 2.0 in my humble opinion. So that is why we stack sats. And Wednesday is the perfect day to do that. That's why we like to call it DCA Wednesday. We got our stack on. Hope you got your stack on too. Remember, get off zero. The best time to buy Bitcoin obviously was 10 years ago, but the second best time is right now. So keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.